theme song we have like we don't we don't even have that's some that's some Jarrett reddick shit like have like some produce we should already have merch you know what i mean and uh and hey welcome to the bfs fan page rampage with me Jarrett, and of course everyone's favorite daniel cotton from twitter hi guys so what's going on daniel how are you i'm doing fantastic seven o'clock so just opening First beer of the day. It's, How are you? It's one seventeen here. Uh, I went to the gym. I had uh, some Chipotle, a salad, and then I came home. I had a call with Linus Dotson, fed my dogs, and here we are. And it's the day is glorious. It's a glorious day, dude. Excellent, fantastic. Thanks for agreeing yeah. to do, thanks for agreeing to do this, Daniel. Man, I think this is going to be really cool. You know, for those. Um, this this started out as like a subject on the page, and you and I were just like, let's just do it, right? Let's just take all of the the fan page ideas. First of all, how about a big shout out to the fan page? First of all, and then of course Fiona, who started this thing like four years ago, and now almost four thousand people on there. Crazy! It's awesome. Yeah, Fiona's doing great work, and. Hopefully, as this kind of evolves more, we can get involved more and get some of the other people from the fan page involved. That's the idea, is to um, hopefully have Fiona on here every week eventually, and then also get have chances for everybody to to participate, to be on here, to have your name dropped, whatever we can do. But uh, anyway, welcome to the BFS fan page rampage. Yeah, so... Uh, first thing, really, is just what's what's new with you? Um, anything to talk about? Any new millions of projects to talk about? There's always something with me. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I last or this week actually. Hope, I'm hoping that this comes out around the uh, fifth or sixth. Wait, what's today? I hope, I'm hoping this comes out like Friday. We're doing this on the fifth, right? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're doing this on the fifth. I'm hoping this comes out Friday. So hopefully. Um, here in a couple of days, but I did, I, um, and actually you're involved in this story, Daniel, because I, I guess we had just podcasted or something and I was kind of up late and I, you know, I don't know what it was, man. Every once in a while, I just get that thing where I just feel bad about myself and, you know, I mean, I sort of let outside sources win and, uh, I don't know. I just decided I, I wanted to get fit. And so I the first thing I did was I um I put on my I actually I basically pulled a Chris Bernie. I, I put a morbid tweet out there. No, no, not morbid. Uh what do you call it? Um something tick clip cryptic. Cryptic thing out there where I was just like, um, you know, hey all you other fatties who wants to lose some weight with me. Uh, you know, I'm going to do a thing. I had no idea what I was going to do. Literally had no, no idea. And then I sent you a text and I just said, Hey, remind me tomorrow that I'm going to get my shit together. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I woke up to that text and I was like, Oh, I wonder what he's talking about. And then I saw that thing about, about, does anyone, you know, want to, want to lose weight with me? And I was like, 
Oh fuck! Now I have to lose. <laughs> no, you, you, you know what, man? I think you're fine, dude. It's like, uh, it's like I don't know. If you can raise your hands above your head and your belly doesn't stick out, you're fine. It's just, it's so, well, it's, it sucks so bad to be like to be five nine and really and like have a huge belly because it's like, even if I find shirts that fit me, it's like I, I still have to have like bad posture because if i stand up straight and my fucking belly comes out the bottom you know and i'll get into all that but where we're at is i just you know what man the next day i just went with it i the the response was overwhelming this was on my artist page by the way the jarrett reddick artist page and i think i woke up to like 350 comments and by the time it was over i had like a thousand and i was just like this is really a thing and so I'm in the early stages of a thing called four years fat. I've had that in my head for quite some time that if I'm still fat when it comes to 2018. And by the way, if anybody's offended by the word fat, I apologize. I'm a realist when it comes to me and me personally, I'm fat. I'm not ever going to call anybody else that, um, you know, you are whatever you want to be and you just be happy. That's my whole thing behind this thing. It's I don't want to be four years fat. And 2014 is the first time. People started to kind of comment on my weight. That was when all of my depression and anxiety were like at really, really starting to kick in. And I obviously let it go. And, and, uh, and I haven't done anything about it. I can't blame it all on that. You know, I've been a lazy ass and I've been eating like shit too. I drank too much for a long time. And uh, so I'm getting my shit together. And I thought, well, why not include everybody? You know, like, let's, I'll just do it on my page. So if you go to Four Years Fat, the page, you'll see my posts. And then we have a, um, we also have a group, a four years fat group where you can go on there and post your own stuff. I post on there. I'll comment on your stuff. Tell us what you're doing. It's this whole thing. And I'll keep this, I'll cut this now. Cause obviously like I'm going to, I've have more outlets that probably are more focused on this. The idea behind this Daniel is positivity. It's not about beating yourself up and being miserable. I've, I've fought my weight since I was 11 years old. Most people don't know that because most people found me for the first time in the bitch song or girl the bad guys want or 1985 when i was at my thinnest and you you all just think oh well age caught up with them or mentality at that point i was on the atkins diet i was always doing something to get skinnier and um it's i was fat all through high school um junior high and so, but all through all of that, anytime I've been fighting my weight, it's always been just, I've always just felt so bad about myself everywhere. And I just over the last couple of days, I'm, I'm, and that's, this is ever evolving, but I've just decided, you know, I think the theme to all this is positivity. Let's concentrate on the wins, not the losses. Oh shit. I ate cheese today, you know? Yeah. But I also went for a two hour walk and I drank, you know, a gallon of water. You know, let's focus on those things. Let's let the the good things push us. So, so yes, that's my new thing. Four years fat. Check that out. And um, you know, Bowling for Soup um, is uh, oh, and Band in Texas as well. I've got a new video company called Band in Texas. You can go like that page. We're making videos for a bunch of bands around here. We'll be making three new Bowling for Soup videos over the next couple of months, and. Um, we're managing a little band called Not Your Girlfriends, and I am still doing Jarrett Goes to the Movies, and I'm in, and I'm Chuck E. Cheese, and I'm in Bowling for Soup. And I think that's pretty much most of what I'm doing these days. <laughs> 
You forgot Jurinus. And I'm in Jurinus, and we're literally like heating that back up. We just finished a video for Jurinus, and so we have new material coming out. It was actually supposed to be out towards the end of the summer. Obviously, I think we're looking into spring. Oh, and I, uh, Kelly and I, Kelly Dollyrot and I are halfway writing, halfway through writing our album, and the songs are so flipping good. Uh, I'm so excited. I'm like re excited about that. After my last trip to Tampa, because we wrote some some real winners. So um, that album, I'm hoping to have out by summer next year. And, um, you know, and then there's, you know, Bowling for Soup tour in the UK. And, you know, I don't know. I don't do much, Daniel, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, just going to make a note to allow more time for that question next time. <laughs> <Any new> projects. <laughs> <laughs> New projects allow 15 minutes. They allow 15 to 20 minutes for that. <laughs> now, well, you know what? I went on the on a four years fat tangent because that's new. I mean, that's that's all this week. And it's sort of like this one little thing that I it started out as a as a moment of just feeling shitty about myself. And then it just became this moment of like, hey, man, you know, if somebody if y'all want to do this with me. And yes, I realize to those listeners who remember Luckiest Loser and that challenge, I will address all of that. Um, and, and it's not in a negative way. Nothing bad happened. I just fucking started that contest and then forgot to participate. Um, it's a rough year. <laughs> it's a rough year. I'm sure you won't mind me telling people. I, I got a text from Jarrett uh, three or four months before the, the solo tour in September. And he said... It's, this tour is going to be great, man. I'm I'm going to get in shape, and uh, and and we're going to podcast every day. And I replied and I said, "Yeah, that's great, man. Well, I'm going to drink beer and eat curry every day until then, and we can meet in the middle weight wise." And uh, and then I put on a bunch of weight, and Jarrett didn't lose any. No, and we we didn't really meet in the middle that way. No, we didn't. We didn't meet in the middle. We did, and we didn't podcast. We did drink a lot, but we did eat good. I ate healthy, like pretty much every day. Like we were, uh, yeah. we did really good. I mean, I I think I only ate like one slice of pizza that entire tour. Um, and uh, actually, no, I probably drunk ate some pizza one night. I think I did, but anyway, I don't even know if that counts. But you're right, that didn't happen. But you know what? There's always next time. Next thing probably is. Just the latest Bowling for Soup news, uh, if there's anything specific you want to talk about, but I've got a few, just a few articles that BFS have been mentioned in over the last four weeks or so. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're sort of at this wacky point, you know, um, we released Drunk Dynasty a year ago or so, and I, we really didn't put a lot behind it, and I'm going to take responsibility for that, um, you know, uh, and I'll get more into that again. Not not anything negative. Just uh, you know, it just the way that albums are made these days. It just makes it hard. It's kind of anticlimactic. It's like with the pledge music thing. You've built it up and built it up and built it up, and all of a sudden it's out there. You don't have like the big release day anymore where you're like get excited and just start you know and running and jumping and shit. Um, so we are gonna try to gets you know make some videos revitalize that album just a little bit as we're going into 2018 obviously the get happy tour is back with army of freshmen and um the uh aquabats i'm super excited about that it's been 11 years uh, to the month actually since we started that 
And um, so, yeah, I mean, and then I think where we're at from there is new music of some sort, but it's so many suggestions out there. It's songs people actually like volume two or new material or a covers album or, you know, a, a legitimate acoustic record or, you know, redo Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls or, you know, whatever. But we'll figure something out and it will be awesome and we're in a great spot. I mean, we're, you know, I just saw Gary yesterday. We did a Kerrang takeover that'll be out soon. And, um, you know, a lot, there's never, there's never not anything cool going on with Bowling for Soup. That's the one thing that I can put out there for sure. I've just had a quick look at any time Bowling for Soup's been mentioned in the news over the last month. Uh, just if you want to comment on any of this. Sure. So, obviously the first big one was the the Kerrang article that you did yeah um and that's been covered by a few different news outlets now Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool that that's got got a bit of traction behind it yeah I mean it was cool that that Kerrang took a chance uh to get out there and to uh to explore mental health and stuff you know I talked to a lot of people when I was there on my Hardik and Hilarity tours and you know I think most didn't really know what to expect from my show and to see me put myself out there and be that vulnerable, I think, was a little gripping and, if not, a little shocking to some. Uh, and then just the response from all of that to talk about those things that are going on in my head and to realize, you know, this is not really something in the United Kingdom that we talk about. And it's, it, and it's not necessarily something that people are super open about in the United States, you know? Um, so... It's, is your fire alarm going off? <laughs> no, that's my phone, and nobody has my phone number in the world, so I know that's not for me. Right. So, that's your home phone? Uh, yes. That's amazing. That, that, did, why why does, it sound, does it sound terrible? That, yeah, it's, it sounds like one of those phones like you used to have back in the day where you would like it. You, to, to hang it up, all you had to do was set it down. You know, like on its face, <laughs> like the hang up, but like the worst phone in the world. Like that's what it's. But that, the the phone you're describing is the phone I have. That's why. Are you being serious? That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I will show you sometime. That is amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, kudos to Kerrang for stepping out there. I, I and I do know for a fact that it's something that they went back and forth on whether or not to open up to it. But there's just there's too much going on in in this world of even if you just pigeonhole it into the world of rock and roll, like Jesus Christ, you know. I mean, we lost two icons in the last 12 months. Um, so obviously it needs to be addressed. And I think anytime I can put myself out there um, and just show people that I'm a human being and, and help them realize that, man, if you saw the amount of, and this is not a bragging thing. This is more of just a thing of like, I don't even know what this is, but how many people reached out to me specifically to say, I am getting help for the first time. I'm going to talk to somebody and you know how scared they were until they read my shit, you know, I mean, that makes it any sort of embarrassment or whatever I would feel that makes it more worth it. And so it's the same thing with this weight loss thing. It's like, I'm putting really unflattering pictures of myself out there. I know for a fact, somebody's going to get a hold of them and use that against me in some way or whatever, but fuck it, man. It's like, you just got to get on that group and see how excited people are about just taking control of their lives and getting healthy again. So it's the same sort of thing. And, and uh, again, kudos to Kerrang for being so awesome. Next mention is from a, a website called The Tech Talk, 
which is the student voice of Louisiana Tech University. Ah. Uh, and it's an article about how Bowling for Soup rocked Ruston. We sure as hell did. We yeah. rocked the shit out of Ruston. We uh, And it was the... Dude, this was the craziest show ever. Like, it was... It's essentially... Like you said, it's where Louisiana Tech is. And it, they essentially took over this downtown area. Well, apparently this whole area is owned by, like, one dude. And his son owns this shop that just sells Louisiana Tech shit. And on top of it has this sprawling fucking apartment with like bedrooms and showers and all this stuff and we walked up those stairs outside stairs by the way like a fire escape up to the door and walked in and for the first room we walked into i swear to god this is not this is not a joke it was like a five by ten room and there were at least 12 deer heads on the wall like it was literally just a closet with a bunch of, of deer just looking at you in the face and um then we walked to the other door and it was like we had actually walked into somebody's apartment, like full bar and like just any kind of alcohol you could ever think. They were all full and just all the mixtures and all that stuff. And then this just like sort of, you know, I'd say middle age, but I'm middle aged. So like this dude, probably like 55, whatever, comes out and he goes, yeah, guys, anything you need, this is all for you. And we're just like, we drove here. Like we're driving home after this. Like what, what is happening? And then... <laughs> There was nobody there at the show until like right when we played. And then it was like the thing where there's excited college kids who are super stoked. And then there's like, you're almost like in this natural amphitheater and like a, a city, you know, city square. And just up on the top of the stairs, there's like the old ladies that brought their own chairs, like already holding their ears before we even hit the first note of the first song, you know? <laughs> and we're just looking at each other like, okay, it's going to be that kind of deal. But it was like, yeah, you guys just have to play an hour and uh, you're the only band and uh, thanks for coming. And it was just an awesome, awesome event, man. It was, it was their homecoming and we had a blast. It, we had not played in Rustic. Um, is it Rustic? Rustin. We had not played in Rustin since we were still in the van and we played a bar and they came up to us and said, okay, you're, it was full on Blues Brothers moment. Like your pay is a hundred dollars, but you guys ran up a $350 tab. Uh, how would you guys like to pay the 250? And I, uh, I tell the guy, I'm, I just look at the guys and I go, go get in the van. And I'm like, and then I go up to her, talk to her again or whatever. And then I come back and I, and I, and, or, and I say, uh, let me just run out to the van. I'll just grab the merch cash or whatever. And we got the fuck out of there. We have not been there since. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're going to get in some legal trouble. Yeah. I think it's fine. That place is far from still open. Can't, there's no possible <laughs> way that, and if they're still worried about their 250 bucks, they can suck it. Uh, so next thing we've got is the Team Rock interview uh, about how you made Drunk Enough to Dance, which I think is probably inspired by the uh, the Get Happy Tour that you're playing that in full. Um, do you think that the, this is just the perfect time for that, or what, what was the inspiration to choose that one? Well, this is a true story about that, too. So, you know, a lot of bands do it sort of as a gimmicky thing, um, and they're like, you know, attendance is down, let's do that. Um I've been being asked to do that for years now. I mean, well, I mean, since the 10th anniversary, and this is what, the 15th, I think. Is it the 15th? Or wait, what's the year today? Yeah, it's the 15th anniversary of that whenever we're there. So 
Um, they've been trying, and when I say they, booking agents, uh, promoters, have, have, and I've always just been, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. I don't even like to use a set list. Like, I'm going to go out there and play whatever I want, and that's what people expect, and that's what I'm going to do. And then, <laughs> now, attendance is actually up. We're actually playing bigger places or whatever, and they were just like, well, what are you going to do for this tour? Like, what are you And I just go, I think I'm going to just go ahead and play the whole Drunk Enough to Dance album. And everybody's like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, like, we can't talk you into doing it. <laughs> and now, but it, now it just seems like it's time. You know, it's, it, we've done, now we're sort of getting into that whole talking about the second 10 years thing, you know, and... Um, it's almost like we're our second round of like our history is written at this point. And um, so, yeah, it, it it's just I don't know, man. It, it just feels like time. when you go back and revisit that record, it's just so much. You can just see the foundation of even still you can hear Bowling for Soup in there, you know, and all the different directions that we've gone since then. Um, it's just where it all kind of started to make sense and then it just blew up from there so i'm super excited about it um that'll be a fun one but it's a long fucking album by the way it's really long yeah i think it's gonna be good though it's gonna be good and we are gonna uh, sprinkle in other songs too so those of you who are wondering how we're gonna do it i actually haven't decided how i'm gonna do it i i don't think anybody wants to hear it start to finish because i think there's songs on there obviously i mean you know you got girl girl of the bag it's front end loaded with Emily and Girl of the Bad Guys Want. Uh, then you got Punk Rock 101 at the end. And then there's obviously good songs in the middle, but I, you know you don't want to lose anybody. So obviously we're still going to play a lot of the other songs that people would expect to hear at a Bowling for Soup show. Yeah, I mean, this is in no way intended to be disrespectful. I went to see Linkin Park did yeah. Hybrid Theory in full at Download yeah. a, a few few years ago and went to see that and they they did that they played the whole album first mm. and then and then easily 30 percent of the crowd just left right and really yeah because yeah it, and that's my fear you know i heard that somebody did it and played the album backwards and that seems like a genius idea because albums are always front loaded that's the point you know and especially yeah. this day and age where you know Albums aren't even albums anymore. They're lists of songs that are on a downloadable project, you know, and you're going to listen to songs one, two, or three and make up your mind whether you're going to listen to any more of it or not. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I, I, can, I can just imagine that. I can think of many, many bands that I know and love that if I went to see them and they were playing a whole album that, like, by song five, I'd just be like, okay, guys, well, let's hit the bar. Just a couple of things left. The theaterjones.com uh, just had a little review of The Nutcracker and Bowling for Soup got a mention in there. <laughs> wow, you're a sleuth. Um, dude, yeah, so what happened was I got the... Um, so I, I'm the voice of Chuck E. Cheese and those of you in other countries who don't know what that is, he's like a mascot for a restaurant, like a kid's restaurant that kids love to go to and play games it's big for birthday parties and things like that that and their thing is pizza which leads to cheese and the mascot's chuck e cheese and i went there as a kid it was my favorite place to go ever and um now that i'm him it's it's literally the greatest thing ever i mean it's 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 just awesome but um i because of that connection there's a guy who works there 
and they he's a member of the uh the the ballet <laughs> the uh the Lake Dallas or like the North Dallas ballet committee or whatever and every year they have a celebrity guest come and play the role of mother ginger and so he basically wrote me this nice letter and said hey do you want to be the celebrity guest you can pick your date we'll work around you you know on rehearsal yada yada i'm like well what i gotta do he's like well really you just ride in on this huge parade float kind of looking thing that look everybody else looks sees as a dress and then, uh, you know, you just, you know, sort of be Mother Ginger. And I I did not, I swear to God, it's true. I did not, I never looked it up once online. Not once. I was just like, okay, fuck it, I'll do it. So I got there, I did the rehearsal, I went the next day, like full get up, like full on drag makeup and this crazy outfit went out there and did it. And I had a blast and it, it's, it, it was so much fun. It's so cool that, you know, these kids just put on such an amazing production. And I say kids, there's adults in there too, but uh, both shows were sold out and, um, you know, I, it was a, it was a pleasure to be a part of it. So I can say, you know, one more thing I can mark off my list. I have been in the Nutcracker. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, anyone who's not seen can go and look up, I think on your Instagram, you put some photos up of you I, in the makeup and the costume and everything. I did. Yeah. And, and, um, and then if it see here's the thing they didn't allow cameras or filming or anything like that um so you can go look at me look at the photo and then go just google mother ginger and see somebody else do it and that's pretty much what I did I was just uh I was just you know in the nutcracker I've been out with a nutcracker before his name's Daniel Cotton he likes to crack <laughs> <laughs> crack nuts <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere totally different. Yeah. Well, you know, I like to keep you guessing, buddy. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to open another bit. Uh, last news story, and I'm hoping you already know about this, and I'm not breaking this news because I don't know how significant this is. Um, I just read today that the Aardvark in Fort Worth is closing. I just got a text about that a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. I mean, he sold it. So I'm not really sure what the circumstances are. I know it's been up for sale before. I know it's kind of been up and down business-wise. Um, not really sure. But yeah, um, he's asking, uh, you know, I, he's, we're, he's wanting to plan something for Bowling for Soup to do before it closes down. I don't know if that's something that we can do or not because we are already booked in the Metroplex through summer, uh, meaning I can only do a certain amount of shows, you know, um, and they have to be spaced out in the right amount of time and all that shit. But, um, anyway, yeah, super crazy. Not only that, but the venue in Denton, the rock and rodeo that we've been playing the last few years is also closing down. So, um, lots of, lots of our history. I'm actually looking at our 15th anniversary poster right now. And we did a show at the Aardvark on the Sunday and a uh, big part of our history, both those places. So sad, but also I, I know that both owners will go out and do some great things. Um, you know, outside of those those two things. Do you think it says a lot about bands that are coming up now that, that, that so many of these places are closing down or do you think they're being replaced by equivalents? I definitely think that they're being put, replaced by... I mean, you know, the Aardvark was really more of a college bar, you know, uh, back in the day. So when we were first trying to get shows there back in the 90s, before Danny even owned it, um, you know, it was definitely 
more of a, you know, like they would have show like rock shows on the weekends, but then the rest of the time it'd be just like frat parties and things like that. Um, still very much like that. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. Live music sort of tends to move around. Uh, and, and, you know, I think sometimes the scene just sort of picks their spots and rock and rodeo is a completely different ball game. Um, it is actually a country bar, obviously, and it had rock shows during the week sometimes, but it's more of a real estate thing. They're losing their, the building is going to, that's right outside of North Texas University, which is in Denton, and they're losing that real estate because they're going to build more dorms there. So it just shows progress of the college and the city, I guess, more than anything. But, you know, I see what you're saying. You do see a lot of venues that are just gone, historic venues that are gone, and you see other ones pop up that are kind of doing the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, live music is a weird thing to me right now. You know, I, I just, my personal opinion is that people don't support it anymore. Um, I think people in general, and I don't mean anybody listening to this because if you're listening to this, obviously you're a music fan and this doesn't apply to you. But if you think outside the box a little bit and sort of just even consider those around you and how many concerts they go to or how many shows they do, people are just lazy. You know, you can see a band live on YouTube now and, um, you know, or whatever, pick a cable channel and there it is. And it's just, uh, it just quite doesn't, doesn't quite get the support unless it's on the huge level. And, and especially here in the U S as it once did, you know, I, and you know, the, the, the way to put that in perspective is it's like, um, when, you know, when I was, uh, when, when Bowling for Soup wouldn't have anything going on, like, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, even you'd just go downtown and go in and out of places that had bands and just see if you saw anybody good and have a beer here and see who's playing and go. And that's just not even a thing anymore. It's, it's shows a destination or you just not going. So uh, it's just different. You know, I don't think it's a dying thing. I just think it's a changing and ever evolving thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we're certainly seeing the same thing here a lot. We've, especially in Manchester that we've had a lot of venues closing down and it's funny that you say about the the dorm rooms because over here it is for student accommodation for yeah. for university flats and stuff that's happening a lot you gotta make room you gotta make room uh that's it for news all right that's, we're moving it. along that's right um Next, next thing is just a, a, a quick one. This day in Bowling for Soup history. So dug through the uh, Facebook timelines. And uh, this this is for the 5th of December because that's when we're recording this. In the future, when I know when it's coming out, I'll do it for that day. But we this is the first time thing, so we didn't know what was going to be happening. Uh, 5th of December, 2014. Uh, the Pledge music update of Chris signing the... Uh, album covers for songs people actually liked so three three years now ah wow okay that's crazy man that that one was tough but i will tell you this drunk dynasty was like um it was and i'm not complaining i'm not complaining don't get me wrong don't fuck with me about this i'm not like fucking oh woe is me but it was literally 12 hours of signing like a piece we all had to go up in there and do it individually, and most of us had to break it up into two days. So, I mean, that in and of itself, the reason why it's not complaining, that's amazing. Like, that shows that things are, are good, and we're getting the support and the love, and um, we're super, super lucky. 
but uh, you know, it's always funny when 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 Chris signs his stuff because he has his own system of doing anything, doing things. You know, he d- he plays by his own rules. But now that Coulter, so Coulter, my nephew who used to tour manage us. A lot of people know Coulter. Um, he actually works at the company that prints everything now. So when you go in to sign everything, he has everything laid out. You just you go to stations. You go to this station and sign this, and then you go to the next station and sign that. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of writing your name. That's cool. That's why I the we- that's why the fifty four on my thing becomes literally illegible. Illegible. Most people most people don't even know it's a fifty four anymore. <laughs> as, as with anything you write, I think. Very true. To, Very true. You have so. my book, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, especially with pledge music, that that merchandise has just become so much more in demand you know that's certainly what it seems like people want the physical stuff yeah and that's amazing you know i mean it's like you could just release it's just a different again it's it's like i was saying earlier it's a different time it's you know things are just different and you know for us it's with the pledge thing it's it's not only about giving people the experience of like knowing that they're helping make the album and it legitimately are but something that they can have with them, you know, that shows, you know, like, Hey, I was a part of this or, you know, this was a good time in my life or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's always striving to make that better and better and, uh, and simplify it as well. I think drunk dynasty, I think the, one of the reasons it did so well is because it was concise and clear and, and not, you know, a shitload of backdrops and, you know, things like that, like we had done in the past, which was super cool. And I wonder where all those went, but um i digress uh right next next thing is what are you listening to at the moment and don't say my voice oh i wouldn't have done that that but that would have been a good one um what am i listening to at the moment i like this band from wichita falls texas called it hurts to be dead they are uh the drummer's an old friend of ours singer's amazing um i really like them uh, obviously I listen to a lot of Not Your Girlfriends because I am in the studio with them usually about once a week. And so I hear them a lot and just listening to them progress has been amazing. And not just, it's, I'm not just, you know, saying shit that I work with, but I don't, cause I don't work with that first band. So I'm not just advertising my own shit, Daniel. Um, <laughs> But I actually today I had like a flashback and you guys probably you all heard me talking about this album a few years ago nonstop. But I just today I had listened to during my workout today. I listened to a, a serial killer podcast and oh, that reminds me of what I was going to tweet about today or a Facebook post about today. So that reminds me. That's good. That's good. It It is about Scotland. Actually, I was listening to a, a Scotland serial killer story. And anyway, so as that was finishing, I like, I don't like to talk to people. So I like always have something going on. So up for my walk out, I put on that fun album, the sun, the some nights album. Jesus Christ, that album is so good. I mean, it's so good that it just, it still makes me angry, but it just, I just love it. Love it. Love it. So I'll probably listen to that a little bit more. And then, uh, I, I do have to listen to a lot of things that my kids like. So we listen to a lot of Macklemore. That's my sons both like that a lot, and then anything in the top ten, you can uh, pretty much expect for my daughter to be 
involved in that. And then if I'm in my house playing all times Frank Turner Radio on Pandora. The next thing we wanted to talk about, and you specifically asked me to uh, bring this up during the podcast, is the Battleground Earth TV show, which is not something I've ever heard of. So if you want to explain what that was. I was actually in Australia, and I was still married to my first wife, and um, I had been gone a lot. I was touring a lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, anytime, you know, I mean, I, I can't, I, I think I've made it clear that that made things rough at home. And, and um, you know, again, this was not that long ago. So, but I was in Australia and I got this phone call and it was just like, hey man, you know, do you, you've got an opportunity. You've been asked to be on a television show with Ludacris and Tommy Lee called Battleground Earth. And you're going to be on Tommy Lee's team. And basically you go out and you do all these adventures and talk about like, you know, recycling and things like that. And, you know, there's contests and there's a winner and there's a loser and, you know, all this shit. And, you know, at that time in my life, I think I might have still been on Jive. So I think it might have been towards the last part of Jive. I'm not real sure about that. Um, yeah, I was for sure because it's right before it was right when I was meeting Linus. So it was the last few years of my time with Jive. So of course, anytime any sort of opportunity with any FaceTime, uh, you know, publicly would come up, they would all just put the fucking pressure on. And my managers at the time were putting the pressure on. Everybody's just like, "You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this." And I'm just like, "Nan, I think it sounds like a terrible idea." You know, who else is on this? And they said, this guy, this guy. And I'm just like, man, I'm out. And man, they they would call back an hour later. Are you sure you don't want to, you know, here's this. They're offering this and yada, yada. And you can go home such and such day. But it was literally like be gone for like six weeks. And not really much to gain out of it other than having to put my band on hold and my home life on hold and go be on a bus with a bunch of people I don't know and some of them more famous than me and you know, it just sounded terrible. And and to me, being on a reality show sounds bad anyway. So I said no. And um, show came out. I, get, I don't know how it did. I really don't. I never saw it once. I, I don't even know. I think I did see it advertised a few times, and I'd be like, hey, I got asked to be on that show. Um, but yeah, towards the end of it, uh, they, they came back, and they were just like, hey, we want to have Bowling for Soup at least at the finale. So I'm like, okay, cool. We'll be at the finale. And then I get another call like, hey, D Snyder's coming in. He's going to be right after you guys. What do y'all think about you being D Snyder's backup band? I'm like, holy shit. We've actually recorded. We're not going to take it before. I'm like, we're in. We can fucking do this, right? So fast forward to that day, and... It was just such a whirlwind. I mean, we got put in our dressing room. And it turns out that we were sharing a dressing room with Robbie Krieger from The Doors, um, who was like this little, just frail old man who everybody there wanted to meet. And it was cool to meet him, but at the same time, it was like, he's on one side of this, this makeshift wall, and we're on the other side with our full rider, like just beer and just... L.A. people coming in and out. Tom Green, the drunkest person ever that night, like just falling over. and just It was just a shit show, right? And then D. Snyder comes in, and he is the nicest 
fucking dude I've ever met. Like, everything you ever see him on, like, that's him. That's just his personality. His wife is with him. I'm not expecting anything out of this. He just, But he comes in. He knows all of our names. He starts talking about our songs. His wife comes up. She's just like, you are our traveling music. We love Bowling for Soup. Bowling for Soup is who we have in the car. Our favorite song to sing is this and this and this and this. And I'm just like, what the fuck? fuck is going on right now and he's like you know are you guys hanging in LA for a couple of days whatever and I go no I actually have to go home um I'm having a vasectomy in a couple of days and he goes he goes Jarrett let me tell you this brother after the operation man they tell you, you gotta sit for three days I'm gonna tell you this man you gotta sit there and here's why her brother my brother-in-law thought he felt fine after the first day, got up the next day, went out and mowed the lawn. Jarrett, his balls swelled up to the size of cantaloupes. He's like, cantaloupes. And he goes, he's literally just having to sort of carrying them around, like on that movie where the guy's got elephantitis and the nuts. He's like, he's literally like having to carry him around or whatever. And he calls a doctor and the doctor basically, this is the doctor, what the doctor says. Well, we told you, you needed to sit down. There's nothing they could do about that. So this guy literally had to sit down and then he, and you, well, how can you even say, sometimes if I don't have on the right kind of underwear, I sit on my balls sometimes on accident. You know, imagine this guy, he could have like bounced around on him. Like one of those toys that kids, you know, bounce around hoppity hop or whatever the <laughs> fuck, you know, it's like, it's the new double hoppity hop or anyway, um, what a great time. We went out there. We fucking rocked the song. I totally fucking just absolutely blew the solo. I, t I just blew. You can tell that this was like, here's what happened, Daniel. I don't know what the deal is. Like, I, you know, I make fun of the fact that I can't play the guitar all the time. But now, for some reason, now I'm actually pretty good. But 10 years ago, I wasn't very good. You know, like even like, I guess this was like 2008 or so so i don't know why i fucking i was terrible but now i could fucking i need another chance that's what i need but since then uh d's been great i text him when i see him in the news he texts me sometimes uh, he came over stood at side stage watched us at download sang every word every song dave took pictures of that shit so um fantastic experience got to meet tommy lee for about two seconds Ludacris for about one had a photo with them on the red carpet and uh I saw a wild coyote in the parking lot. That's the end of that story. Well, I, I think that's really fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's anyone who's not seen that, if you just Google Bowling for Soup D. Snyder, uh, Rob Lane has, has uploaded a video of that. So uh, I, don't th I don't think the show is anywhere online, but I think that at least the Bowling for Soup clip is on there, so you can go and have a look at that. Uh Next question is a podcast production question. Are you going to be editing this? Uh, I am going to edit out. Uh, I mean, I don't have to. I mean, I can put it out there as is. What What does everybody want? Well, I want to pee. So. Oh, that's... okay. You can you can okay. go pee. Yeah, I am going to okay. be. I am going to be editing this, Daniel. Then I will edit out your <laughs> pee. Here's what I did. I just stopped it. Genius. Uh, the next thing is something that everyone on the fan page was really eager to have on is um get to just to get more of a story behind a song or some of the lyrics uh, so the the one that was voted for this time around was pictures he drew it's an interesting song um 
So that song came about when I, you know, I talk about this in the book, uh, if you have the lyric book, about how I didn't really write from the heart. I didn't really put a lot of realness into songs, especially early on, um, until I started pretty much writing the songs for Let's Do It for Johnny. And so after Rock on Honorable Ones, you know, we got signed. The bitch song was out there. A lot of the songs that you hear on Let's Do It for Johnny had already come out on Tell Me When to Woe or Rock on Honorable Ones. Uh, but we did need some more songs to to get in there. And I wanted to have new material because I did, you know, we had sold so many fucking albums just out of the back of our van up until that point. I mean, in the 50s of thousands, you know, I mean, I don't even know if that's a thing. But, you know, I think it was like uh, we had sold like... 25,000 of Rock on Honorable Ones on our own, and then another 20,000 of Tell Me When to Woe, literally just touring and selling them out of the back of the car. And um, so my thing was I, I never wanted anybody to feel like they were getting shortchanged or, you know, and back then there was really no digital situation. So you, to get the stuff, you had to buy the song or rip the, like, I, I don't even know if you could rip CDs. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't think I could. If anybody could. But, um, so anyway, I started writing some new stuff. And, you know, I wrote a few songs a little bit differently. And this is one of them. I actually got in, we went in the practice room. And this is the only time since then that I've done that too. And I just started kind of playing a riff. And I wouldn't say anything. So I started playing like the intro to... And then Gary would just kind of start playing. And then Eric would start playing. And Chris would start playing. And then we'd kind of jam on that for a second. That's <laughs> a jam. I never say that. And But we would rock that for a second. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then I... Just something hit me on this song, and there was a bunch of stuff going on with my brother. And, um, you know, those of you who listen to the Jarrett Goes to the Movies podcast, you know, my brother is one of my best friends, and I love him to death. But, you know, he's five years older than me, and so a lot of times we're, we're in just different parts of our lives. Um, and, and, you know, he he's had his own demons. Both of us have, you know, in, in our lives. His, his have just been like way more like life altering and shit. And, um, so anyway, I was just, as I was getting into the groove of like actually writing these meaningful songs, um, that you and me was one of them Boulevard, uh, all figured out pictures. He drew, you know, all, these are those ones that like, okay, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's actual shit being, you know, written from, from a perspective of realness. So yeah, it's the first song I ever wrote for my brother and I did, I never told him. And, um, it, it's funny because part of the, when I say give in to the feelings, don't give in to the ones that'll own you. I I'm actually referring to his ex-wife who I don't have bad feelings towards or anything, but I just think that their relationship was toxic and they needed to not be together anymore. And it's funny because I don't think that she picked up on that, but for some reason, after hearing that song, and one time she just goes, she, I can hear it like it was yesterday, just her, her going, I told your brother I think that song's about him. And I was just like, holy shit, like how would you even pick up? I mean, I had never told anybody. And so, you know, I think about it now, I'm like, maybe she was just fucking with me or whatever, just because it talks about the guy getting drunk, and you know, I don't know. But anyway... 
Um, I, uh, yeah, so that's where that song came from. Uh, and, uh, you know, lyrically, uh, got up this morning, rolled out of bed and went out to change the world. You know, I mean, I, that, that's sort of like my vision of my brother, you know, I, to me, he was always just smarter than everybody else, funnier than everybody else and gonna go out there and fucking change the world. And, and, you know, I, I feel like he has in some ways, you know, in, in, in a lot of people's lives that are around him, um, you know, he never drank martinis, but he could drink the shit out of some Coors Light. Um, you know, he, my my uh, you know my mom used to make us breakfast on our birthdays, and and that's where that whole his mom made him breakfast. He gets on the bus, goes out to see the world. It's more of like a vision of him on his birthday, um, going out to see you know on a school bus or whatever. Um, so so those are sort of the kinds of things that were playing around in my head. Um. He he really uh, when I say to get a, uh, get the nerve to end it all now I'm not talking about suicide I'm talking about um, that relationship so he gets up he falls down and wishes he could get the nerve to end it all now uh, he picks up the phone he slams it down obviously there's an argument swallows another now he'll never come around that is not pills that's another beer. And the whole idea of just basically making himself fucking obliterated, you know. Um, and then my conversations with him of like, uh, dude, you know, you've got to do it all for yourself. You know, you're the only one that can make these decisions. Everybody's already told you what you need to do in your life. And uh, I can luckily say that, you know, um, I've written a few songs about my brother since then. That's still one of my favorites. And, and he's solid kicking ass and he's living here in Texas again. And uh I told him that I played that song at some of the some of the shows on my Heartache and Hilarity tour, and that I, you know, he he always thinks that's funny because he thinks he's famous because I sing about him and shit. And uh, so anyway, uh, the songs about my big brother, and that's a pretty much the first time I've ever um, dived, divin, dove into those lyrics like that. So there you go, there you have it from the. Uh, that's uh yeah it's a that's a big one that's a big start we're get we gotta if, as we do these it, it's gonna be tough to top that one <laughs> yeah that, i think that's that's really cool there's a lot of stuff i didn't i didn't know that myself um there's there's so many times in my life where you know a bone of soup lyrical pop into my head because it's relevant to the situation but and and especially with so many songs about drinking or being hungover or sure. whatever being drunk that Six double martinis and out in the town sure makes the mornings long. Yeah. Every every time I'm hungover, I think ah, yeah. these mornings are sure long. Right. Yeah. You know what's funny is is I I um I really didn't drink a lot back then. Um I didn't really know what a martini was. It just sounded cool, you know? But again, I, and I don't even know if there's a such thing as a double martini because it comes in the little glass, you know, whatever, but uh but yeah, sure makes the mornings long, you know, and, and, you know, never imagined a lifetime like this could be the only thing to let him fit into it. Cause it's basically, he's, he's essentially just obliterating his mind so that he can feel any kind of happiness. And that's what that, that's what that's saying. That's some fucking poetic shit right there, Daniel Cotton. Yeah, that's, um. I don't want to make any jokes. I don't <laughs> I feel like we really brought the mood down. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it's the, again, it's positive, man. I mean, he, you know, he lives a great life now. Is he's absolutely in love with his 
with his second wife and uh, his his ex-wife is doing really great as well and his daughter's thriving was just here for um my dad's birthday party and so no man everything's everything's awesome that's good man that's good um and final thing really from the page is just some some questions from from everyone on the page awesome so i'll just get straight into it uh pete madison asks will physical copies of the self-titled and cellmates albums ever be reprinted I mean, I think it's a possibility. I, you know, when I get asked things like this, it's really about demand. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't know, you know, because printing a hundred is pretty much the same as printing a thousand. But do I need to print a thousand or do I need to print five thousand? You know what I mean? So like, it's an economics thing, really. I don't really know how many people want that, and I also don't want to fuck with the value of those who have held on to those original ones or, you know, and, and obviously, you know, we could make some sort of special packaging to where those original ones actually maybe become worth more or whatever. Cause I know that people have paid like a ridiculous amount of money for those online. And, um, I, I'm, I'm so humbled that somebody would want that that bad. And Hey, fuck it. I did that. I mean, I've, I've done that with albums before in the past as well. Um, for not my own. I mean, that's, that'd be weird. I should have just kept one, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, I I don't know. That's a conversation, I guess, with the fans. Is like, what's the demand for that? Um, you know, if again, if I if I print it up, maybe we can do a comment on that. Like, if uh, in the fan page, like if I printed up a hundred of those and sold them at the going rate for a CD, like, would there be a hundred people interested in that? Two hundred or a thousand? I mean, I don't know. I mean, so. That's a long-winded answer, but the point is, is I don't want to fucking print up. 5,000 of those things and then have 4,500 of them sitting in my garage in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Geraldine Darling says, in one of the Jarrett Goes to the Movies podcast, Jarrett said he has written two songs for Casey. I know one is Catalyst, what's the other? And Jarrett Reddick said, <laughs> go to bed mad. <laughs> he said, go to bed mad. And then Jarrett Reddick <laughs> texted me and said, Shit, I just answered one of those questions. I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> That's a true story. Yes, so I wrote Go to Bed Mad um for her cuz I it's and and I do take some hilarious liberties in that song, but I you know, I do remember and I and it's funny cuz you you know me and my wife and how just like incredibly open we are with one another and it's just like it's just you yeah, just say yeah. whatever the fuck it is all the time and it's awesome so it's just like you know i went to bed thinking that i was gonna get up today and go fucking find my own apartment and fuck you but i really actually kind of like you today so i'm gonna stick around you know so again <laughs> i um i i i did take some liberties with that one but that was 100 percent um about a specific drunk fight that we had one night and then woke up the next day and everything was fine and, you know, like it will be. Uh, Jennifer Adams Kelly asks a very American question that I don't understand, so hopefully uh, you can explain. Brady Bunch versus Partridge Family, who wins? Oh, I gotta go Brady Bunch. I, I did love the Partridge Family, so the Partridge Family uh, is a timely topical uh question actually because david cassidy from that band or family show just passed away so you know that song i think i love you but what am i so afraid of you know that you not know that song 
Nope. All right. Well, that guy died. And uh, but anyway, they were like this this roving family band or whatever. I I liked that show a lot. There's just no comparison with Brady Bunch and just the life lessons and and especially just like looking back on their life lessons, you know, as being of that time. And remember that show was like still being made when I was a kid. I think the Partridge family is a little older than me, but um, anywho, I, I would definitely pick Brady Bunch. Philip Threlfall says he's looking to renew his wedding vows and he's going to be having a, a gig style party and wants to know, do you do paid personal gigs? Um, we don't. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I always try not to sound like a dick about this. So I'll just give you the real answer. Um, we used to do a bunch of birthday parties. We used to do a bunch of weddings. Um, quite frankly, we don't do any of that anymore. And it is not that we're above it. It's a 100% personal choice because quite frankly, if it's your wedding, you're the only one that gives two shits that we're there. Nobody else wants us there. And it's a fucking terrible time the whole time you're on stage. And um, the other problem that we have is when I, now that I'm the way that I am on stage, um, banter wise, uh, it doesn't work out well if I'm not super happy um, because I will have a tendency to like insult your mother-in-law and shit. So um, <laughs> it's just not a good idea. But no, in, in all seriousness, you know, I've done a few things here and there. I mean, every once in a while I'll do like the odd odd um, acoustic thing for a friend or something. But as far as Bowling for Soup is concerned, I mean, honestly, it's it's not about the money. It's, you know, people are like, throw out a number. I'm like, dude, it's it's really not about that. It's just about being happy, and those kind of shows do not make us happy. And, and I, don't, I just don't feel like we're the right entertainment for it. They make iPods and DJs for a reason, so that's what you need to do. The thing I would say about that is think about not just your extended family, but your wife or husband's extended family. Sure. Listening, listening to Jarrett tell a story about a guy's balls growing to the size of cantaloupes. You know, <laughs> nobody, no, nobody needs that. And that's gonna <laughs> happen. It's just, it's, and that's that's what's funny. It's like back in the day, I didn't really talk as much as I do now, and I definitely didn't have the confidence to like do thirty minutes of fucking stand up comedy between "Shut Up and Smile" and "Girl the Bad Guys Want," you know. But these days, fuck it. If I if, if I'm feeling it, like I can't help it. It just comes out. And, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's, you know, I mean, for some that might be good, but I definitely agree. I think the family members, I mean, even POV, dude, we did a, um, we did a birthday party for one of my best friends, her husband's birthday party. Um, you know, I talk about Lisa sometimes on the podcast. She's my, one of my closest friends and, um, she's the one that we, I go to Pittsburgh games with every me and Casey go with them to the Steelers games once a year. And anyway, she hired us to do Dave's birthday party. And dude, it was literally, it was just like it, they had all these tables and shit sitting out there and it was just Dave sitting there watching us. And it was just like, <laughs> even when you're trying to do somebody a favor, it's just miserable, but I don't know, man. I, and then I feel bad about taking money and all that. So anyway, it's a no, no, no dice. And I'm sorry about that. Send us an invite. We'll see what we can do. Robert Beeston asks, other than Girl All The Bad Guys Want, are there any songs you've written that use different guitar tunings? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's an interesting question. So 
Shut Up and Smile was actually tracked in Drop D. Um, that's the same record. Um, and then, let me think about that for a second. No, not really. I mean, we do have it. We will tune guitars differently to do some stuff like recording. Like, for example, we have a, uh, I carry a Dan Electro baritone guitar with me to all recording sessions um, that are, you know, significant with Bowling for Soup. And we will tune that thing quite differently or whatever. Um, I like to take, like, it's fun to get a, do a guitar and do what they call Nashville tuning, which is like an octave up. Um, but you have to have it set up to do that, obviously, or you're fucking put your eye out with the strings breaking. Um, and that's fun. But really, like, we, I, I try to get into wacky tuning. I even read a bunch of shit about that, um, the guy from the Goo Goo Dolls who does all that crazy tuning and stuff. And um, I, I, thought about I thought it'd make me a you know a more interesting songwriter but it didn't it just it just confused me and um so no I, that is all I can think of actually uh, oh I actually tuned to drop D uh when I recorded um where to begin as well the ballad so three songs on that record where where to begin shut up and smile and uh uh, uh girl the bad guys want and I think that's it since then just for anyone who's listening who's, you know, pedantic or, or got a little bit of OCD or anything, Shut Up and Smile wasn't on the same record as those songs. Uh, oh, that was, shit. That was a later later album. I tend to get, the, I tend to get it confused. Um, I get... The, it, most of the time I can pinpoint which song albums are. Um, Drunk Enough to Dance and Hangover You Don't Deserve, you have to understand we're such a fucking whirlwind because we went literally off of touring off of one, wrote the next one. I mean, I think I already had it written. And then we were in the studio, and st we never stopped touring. It's just, it's all one big thing. But uh, but yeah, good. Thanks for that. Good catch. <laughs> uh, David Lengel, Lengel uh, asks, and you've sort of already answered this, can we look forward to more great music videos? Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, we have three uh, that we're working on. Treatments are already done. Uh, it's just a matter of timing and like when it makes sense to get out and make them. But before you know it, because the idea is to try to have them out either before or, you know, in conjunction with the February UK tour. So coming up. Sam Parker asks, will BFS be doing any more tours further south in the UK? You've played Exeter and Plymouth, etc., but not for ages. It has been a while. You know, I, I, I'll just be honest with you guys of what's going on in the UK uh, because I don't, I do know how people do take it. And I know I take the piss out of people for, you know, not wanting to travel 20 minutes and all that, but I do get it. I mean, there are bands that skip Dallas and um, go down to Houston or whatever, and like never come here. And, and I, it's, I get it um, for us. We don't really have control over it. Our thing is we give a certain amount of time that we can be there. We can be there from here to here, and then the shows get booked. I mean, that really is it. I mean, um, sometimes we'll make a change. I actually did make a change in this next run to make sure that we got to go to Norwich, I believe. I think we're playing the that UEA, I believe. Um, and uh, so I wanted to make sure that happened. Um uh, for whatever reason but 
it's not really a geography thing. It's more of just like what's available, when, what we can get to after that kind of thing. Um, it's getting to where, you know, if you look back to tours years ago, we used to be over there for, I mean, we did one with the Dolly Rots and A and Forever Sickest Kids. It was 21 days, 21 shows in a row. Um, we cannot physically do that anymore. And also, you know, Gary's got a little baby and, uh, I have a five-year-old and it's just hard to be gone that long. So, uh, again, long answer should have been shorter, but I do feel like I like to over explain so that people know I'm not a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, the bottom line is, is that like we do that we have, here's when we can come over. Here's when we need to be home. Um, and I should explain also that I'm divorced and my son, Jack, and Emma are here every other week. So if I miss part of that week, um, I don't get it back. So um, meaning if I'm gone two weeks, I don't have them for three weeks. Does that make sense? So, yeah. um, so I have to sort of time things, uh, you know, around my, around my life and, uh, you know, being a fucking awesome dad and um, – you know, it's that's been part of settling into the new me that I've uh, managed to do over the last several years. Boy, we got heavy again, Daniel. Ask the next question. <laughs> Another little behind-the-scenes thing for you guys. I emailed Jarrett earlier today, just quick notes about what we were going to run through today. I said, there's about 16 questions, nine of which I expect to be quick-fire answers. So far, we haven't had a quick-fire answer yet, so, and I put all the quick-fire ones first. Oh, shit, so. those are the quick-fire ones. I'll try to make it faster. I'll try. Cause you, don't, it, you, don't have, you don't have to. It's, it's, it's based on what time you've got, really, more than Oh, anything. no, I'm good, but I did think we'd try to make this about an hour, but we're good. We're still right at about an hour right now, so let's just yeah. – uh, we'll finish these 16. Okay. Uh, Lucy Murray asks, will No Hablo and Glez ever be played live again? Definitely. Um, I, I I want to reintroduce that whole thing. I think um, that will be a fun one after this February tour when we're, we're going to be at a, at a really interesting time uh, and maybe a time that Bowling for Soup hasn't been in quite some time where, well, or ever, where we have all of these albums but like literally nothing new out. So it's going to be like we can literally pick from anything. And so maybe going back to some of those will be will be fun. Um, I, so to be honest with you guys, and again, I'll, I'll wrap this up, but I just never wanted to play it without the track. And we, were, we would play that to a track. It's the only we only played two songs ever to track. It, oh, no, nope, three. Uh, really cool dance song. No hablo inglés. And then this song called uh, If Only. Um, uh Dance song could never be played without the track ever, but I think we could probably manage to figure something out on uh, New Albion Glass. So anyway, coming up, we'll make we'll we'll make it work. Okay, Lucy Murray asks, would Jara ever DJ DJ at emo night? Dude, this is crazy that you would ask me that. I was literally supposed to be there this last weekend, and I was sick as shit. I had to cancel. So yes, I have some all um some dates coming up. That's a thing that happens here in Dallas, and I will 100% be there. But, yes, you just missed me, Lucy, and I'm so sorry. But I did have to cancel on the Friday because I, I really didn't know if I was going to be up to it. I, I um, Yeah, I got some kind of crazy thing last week, and I was down – I mean, down as I can get. Um, 
but yeah, I uh, I'm back up now, and uh, I, I look forward to doing it. Those guys have been really nice to me, so hopefully soon. Lucy Murray asks. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, my friends played a show in Deep Ellum. Afterward, when we were hanging out, one of the guys in another band walked up and said, I just saw a guy who looked exactly like Sebastian Bach. But when I asked him, he said, no, I get that all the time, but my name is Rick. When we walked by trees later that night, he randomly asked someone standing outside what show they had been to, and the answer was Sebastian Bach. The dude was upset he had gotten tricked. Anyway, my question is, has Jarrett ever done something like this to a stranger? (laughs) No, I haven't. Um... I, you know, no, I, I mean, my, one of the things that I hate the most in the world is when somebody knows who I am and they come up and they go, you look familiar and put it on me to say who I am, because that basically means I'm having to go, Hey, I'm the famous Jarrett Reddick that you fucking know from all the shit that you know me from, you know? And I hate it. I have heard you say that 15 million times. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Like, um, I, what, me? That I'm the, oh, when I talk about how famous I am? Okay, I see what you're doing. I am super famous. I am super famous. Yeah, I am. Now, see, I like saying it in that context because I'm just fucking around. But like, <laughs> if, but like, um, but no, I mean, I will say I, my, my stock answer is, I don't know if you know me. My name's Jarrett, you know, and then if they figure it out, they figure it out. If not. Whatever, but no, I've never said that I was Rick, or I get that all the time. But I don't know how your friend could have been fooled, because because <laughs> he is like fucking seven foot tall. Like, there's not a lot of people that look like that anywhere. <laughs> so I'm sorry that happened. But Sebastian's a good dude. Emily Toman Toman asks. I'm a musician and would love a career in music. Would love to know how Jarrett got past people saying that music isn't a real career and where to go once demos are recorded. Well, I mean, you know, I don't think there's any solid answer for, you know, how to get past what other people think. I think you just have to make the decision as to what your path is and you go do it. And if it makes you happy, then you just keep going. You just, you you know, you, you set the bar and you, you jump over it and then you set it up again and you jump over that, you know? Um, for me, it was always like really small goals. I'm lucky because I didn't set out to be a musician. I mean, I, I don't guess it's lucky. I mean, I, 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 I went to college and then I, and I, and I owned my own companies and, and all that shit. And then I just decided, I was like, fuck this. At least, at least I'm going to take a break and try this. But I, you know, I look, here's the thing. Life is short. You know, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to work in a factory. You don't have to do any of that. Um, some people think that you do because it's a safer bet. But, man, I'm telling you, I'm 45. Uh, if my if my young son who, you know, his mom is going to just absolutely demand that he goes to college. And if, I, you know, if he asks me, I, I'm going to be like, dude. You don't have to go do what makes you happy. Do like literally if you fucking want to live, you know, live paycheck to paycheck in New York City and just fucking party and shit for five years. Go do go do it, man, because you're not going to be able to have those experiences when you're 30. So so I I realize that's obviously the extreme. So getting back to like the whole music thing, um, you know, I mean, you're going to have a hard time convincing them when you're not making any money doing it. Uh, And then one day you're on TV and they aren't. And then you don't you don't have to convince them anymore. You just show them that you're on TV. Um, at least that's what I did. 
Um, <laughs> I think, I think Avril, Avril Lavigne wrote a song with those exact lyrics. <laughs> but um, and then what was the other part of the question? That was like what, what she says. What? Oh, after demos, um, social yeah. media is the key. Um, a lot of people will still try to go back to the whole touring thing. As Daniel and I talked about earlier, I do not recommend that bands hit the pavement anymore. It's not a thing. It's not a thing that people do. If you want to do it just for fun, go see some cities, play some shithole shows, not make any money, sleep on floors and all that. I highly recommend it. It was awesome. It was a great time in our lives. 100%. Um, would I do that now? Absolutely not. Um, but that is not the way to get attention anymore. It's all social media. It's all making video, you know, get those demos out there. Make, you know, make better recordings if you can. I mean, there's, here's the thing. And I just now fucking thought of this. There really shouldn't be demos anymore. It's too fucking easy to record, you know, and it's too cheap. You know, it's like, obviously the most expensive thing to record is drums. But go to a spend the money, go to a studio and 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 record the drums, and then find a kid with a Mac and record the album, you know, and then put it out there and make videos and get attention and spread the word and then do it again. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing with Not Your Girlfriends right now, and uh, those and they've only, they've they've been a band eight months and fucking blowing up. Trisha Anya Allen Old asks. Is it hard now? When I read this question, "harder" is in quotation marks, Got and it. I was like, "Ko, Hi-o. what's going here?" <laughs> is it, it then? Then it was weird after that. After thinking that, <laughs> is, it, it, is it harder being a parent and a musician, or do you enjoy the time away from normal family life? Well, it's you know, it is hard. Um, it was harder, you know, being a young musician. Um, you know, my, our, it was just different. I mean, when I first started having kids, we didn't have iPhones and we didn't, we didn't have laptops with Skype and, you know, all of that. We didn't have those, the ability to be able to call home as much and, and all that. So, um, it was rough and that, that took, uh, that took its toll on, you know, on my marriage with with uh with my first wife and um it's unfortunate it didn't work out um it was was touring and and the music and and that most of the reason yeah it was um would I trade anything no because I'm happy now and everything happens for a reason but it's hard to be gone it's hard to miss stuff um now fast forward to you know Bowling for Sue's been together 24 years um you know if my kids in the spelling bee we're off. I'm I'm flying home to watch the spelling bee. It's happening. I don't care if 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 that means I don't make any money on that week's worth of shows because I'm fucking taking that flight. Then that's just it is what it is, because that's what's important. Um, so it's a little bit twofold. I mean, my mindset was a little bit different when I was younger. I never wanted to miss anything, but I was also like, you know, I had so much pressure from outside sources and and you know just trying to make it to the next spot. Um, it's, it's not an easy life though. And I mean, Gary's experiencing that right now. He has a brand new little baby girl and you know, he's, he, he sees stuff on the calendar the same way that I do now. It like puts a knot in your stomach when you know you got to be gone. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, I, I will say that being gone is easier with technology and, and, uh, you know, 
it's I think that's the only way that it's bearable these days. I mean, he's he G- Gary um FaceTimes with his with his son three or four times a day, you know, and my kids text me and Snapchat me and stuff like that. And my little guy FaceTimes me from the car and tells me about karate and shit. So, um, you know, it's 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 all panning out. Everything's good. I think it's interesting you bring up the the spelling bee example because that article about the Aardvark closing down, they had a, a quote from the guy who runs that saying, you know, it was cool to have the kids come down and watch a band like Bowling for Soup sound check, but I also don't want to miss the kids' baseball games. So right. that's why I have to do this. Yeah, we'll so, see that. And then he has, yeah, he has two boys and he works really, really long hours, you know? And uh, man, be, you know, being a club owner is the worst. I mean, we've talked a lot about opening like a, a bowling pursuit bar and, and that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's in constant rotation and what we talk about, but you gotta be there. And that life sucks, man. Just, I mean, dealing with people and just like that you, you can't, you have to, if you're, if you own a bar, you have to run it yourself. Otherwise yeah. people rob you blind. And that's happened to that guy actually twice. He's been just had a manager in there that fucked him over. So, you know, it's it's it's. I'm I'm glad that he's going to be able to be there for those baseball games. Uh, Alan Tyson asks, "What has been the highlight of your career so far, and what has been the low point of your career?" Uh, low point of the career is easy. That is, uh, you know, as the um, the divorce was coming to a head, and I was basically disbanding my band to, to try to save my marriage. Um, that was the low point. And not being able to really communicate what was going on in my life at that point, and then just the spiral downward and uh, depression and anxiety and all that shit—that was the low point. Um, so you know we're on the uh, on the high wave from that now. Um, the the high point is just tough, man, it, because because we had no expectations, and I know this is super cheesy, but like. Every turn, it was just like, I can't fucking believe we still get to do this, you know? I mean, it was like, you have to understand, I mean, we got signed and didn't sell any records, and then the UK started watching the bitch song, so we got to put out another record, and then we had a an international hit, and then we got nominated for a Grammy, and then we put out another album, had a bigger hit, and sold a shitload of albums, and, you know, we're just, we got to tour the world, you know, five times you know around it and um i mean i've seen shit that nobody else literally will ever see i mean i've seen islands you know that people aren't allowed to go to because we're there with the military and stuff so it's just hard i mean i guess if i just if i have to say like hi it's just you know why that's a hard question daniel is because i feel like the personal mixes in with the band stuff and it's so hard because it's like maybe when I was riding that wave of uh, 1985 or whatever uh, but I, I think just like home was 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 hard and you know it just it, it's like when I think back to it I don't just think about like it being the I got it I know what it is the high point was making the great burrito extortion case that shit was fun it was just the best ever we had no worries, no pressure, and um, you know we went and made an amazing record. So I think that's a that's a good time to say it was the best. That's good. 
Uh, Nige Watson asks, have you got Ring King on your video machine? It's my fave arcade game of the 80s. I'll have to look, dude. I don't know. I mean, I, Ring Machine, is that what he said? Ring King. Ring King. I'll check it out. I've got 89 games on there. Um, all, um, I mean, all arcade games, like stand-up arcade games. So I'll check it out. Ring King. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's, Me either. I'm too young. I've had Ring Sting. Right. But no Ring King. I had Ring Worm one time. Diagnosed myself, called the pharmacy, fucking got me some cream, to fucking cleared it right up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you see, this is why you don't want him at your wedding. This is, this is <laughs> it's true. It really is true. Uh, Chris Soup Smog asks, Mars or Snickers and why? And I would just like to explain for transatlantic listeners, because yes, yeah. I try to I try to go down an internet wormhole about this. A Mars bar in the UK is what Americans call a Milky Way. That's correct. And in the UK, we have a Milky Way, but that is what Americans call three musketeers. That is absolutely true. Yes, I discovered that uh, while I was over there, 100%. That is very accurate. And, uh, well, I lost your sound. Oh, I lost your sound. What happened? Hello, hello, hello. Can you not hear me either? You there? Ha! Nothing? Hello, hello. All right, I'm still getting audio. You're not getting anything? Your uh, thing isn't working either. Oh! I heard a sound. There it is. Oh, I think I'm back. You're back. There we go. You are back. Okay, I don't know what happened there. I think that was my audio interface. No worries. All right, uh, so that is spot on. And uh, if I got Milky Way, it's my favorite. Um, so Mars Bar, I guess. I don't really like candy bars, though. Do you guys have Reese's Peanut Butter Cups over there? Yes, but only as of fairly recently as part of the whole... Let's have American things over here. Right. We didn't, oh we didn't have it ourselves. The, but you, you probably had like peanut butter cups, like different brands, right? No, that's peanut butter and chocolate really is an American thing. And we, we didn't have, I mean, maybe someone will correct me, but we didn't really have anything that had peanut butter in it. And then no, American, American candy got really popular over here and it's like super expensive in, in supermarkets and everything. But Fucking Halloween, man. You know? Yeah. That's what they do to us, though, with your, like, Cadbury chocolates, super fucking expensive over here, you know, like all of, uh, or like English chocolates or whatever. But anyway, yeah. I'd go Milky Way. Okay. Um, 
Final question. And I did think when I first posted in the group and asked for questions, I thought if anyone asks anything that's not really informative, anything that's kind of silly, I might not, might not include it. But then I read this and it made me laugh just thinking about it. So I'm going to read it anyway. Lewis M. Jordan asks, if you had to fuck, marry or kill each of the other guys in Bone for Soup, who would you choose for which and why? Uh, fuck, marry, or kill. Let me think about that for just a second. Well, I would 100... Okay, fuck, marry, kill. Um, that is really hard. Well, I gotta work back... Okay, I'm gonna go frontwards, because... No, wait, I'm gonna go middle first, because I would for sure marry Gary. Uh, because me and Gary are the... Are, a, are an insane duo. We get a lot of shit done. We get along. We our politics aren't the same, but it doesn't matter. Um, we would that would have to marry him. So that means I would either have to fuck or kill Chris or Eric. Um, I would have to kill Eric. I think. Um, and I gotta find a reason for that. Um, I would. <laughs> okay, so I would kill Eric because well. Uh, maybe he saw me fuck Chris and I don't want him to tell anybody. Um, but anyway, I would marry Gary for sure. I guess I would fuck Chris because let's be honest, that sounds hilarious. Me, even me just trying to get it in there sounds fucking amazingly funny. And, uh, then I get, I mean, I guess just by default, Eric's got to go. So fuck him. You know, he smokes a lot anyway, right? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I love that you decided you would kill Eric before you decided why. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just I I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't you know, it's funny. It's like you, I don't think anybody really wants to kill Chris. Not that anybody wants to kill Eric, but like I don't know. I feel like that's going to be the right scenario. I think that's people are going to agree with me on that. I'd rather just have them all around so I can continue to make a living. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that's it for question time. Um, and I think we're just, just over an hour now. Awesome. Over an hour. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to try to do this once a month. Is that the plan? <clears throat> yeah, if that's yeah, if we can make that work. And anyone from the fan page that's listening, just keep an eye out for anything that I post or any questions that I ask because any, any contributions we can get from you guys is, is always useful. Absolutely. We're, and again, as Daniel said earlier on, the idea is to make this 100% um, something that, that fan page peeps get to you know get to hear your name, maybe get to be a part of the show. Hopefully we get Fiona here uh, on every once in a while with a feature. Thank you to Fiona again for doing the page. Uh, for you guys, now, this is going to be available to everyone in the world, um, but it is... It, it is Bowling for Soup fan page, this is your podcast. Um, my outlet will take it out to everybody, but they do have to be a member of the fan page to be a part of it, to make suggestions, ask questions, any of that. So this is all you guys, for you guys, and by you guys. So uh, thanks to Linus Dotson for our awesome theme song, and he does have a pledge music campaign out right now for his new album uh, called Cabin Life. And I, for one, cannot wait to check that out. So by all means, 
he did this song for us for free. Go support his album. And uh, thanks to Daniel Cotton from Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at Daniel Cotton with an E. With without an E. Without an E. With an O. Spell, just yeah. Spell cotton like you would spell cotton if you were anyone other than Jarrett, and that's how you'll find me. I'm not a good speller, I, and I've made that perfectly clear. So, so you could have let me say my own name, and then we wouldn't have had this problem. Oh, you're probably right. I could have just uh, yeah. let you do your own thing, but I don't so know. You can find. You can find me on Twitter, Daniel Cotton, and if you Google Daniel Cotton from Twitter, all one word, you can find my blog and a bunch of other stuff. Yes, you you should plug that blog, actually. Yeah, that's Daniel Cotton from Twitter.wordpress.com. And, and uh, like I say, if you just... His, blog, you is, that, his blog is amazing, deals a lot with mental health. Um, he's doing a lot, a lot, a lot for that cause, and... Um, you know, I'm really glad that we've gotten to be such good friends, dude. Like, uh, we we uh, we got a lot of shit to say, a lot of shit to do. Me and Daniel Cotton, and fuck shit up. Yep, getting shit done. All right, guys, Bowling for Soup fan page rampage episode one done. Thanks, guys. It's the BFS fan page rampage. The BFS fan page rampage with Jay.